Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Barbara Glickstein, a public health nurse and media strategist and founder at Barbara Glickstein Strategies. Barbara, welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Thank you. And you know, I've really been looking forward to talk to you again. And I know that you are a media expert and you founded a company focused on communication strategy. And you're a nurse, which is an extremely cool combination of things. Can you tell us about that work? Absolutely. I am a public health nurse, and media has been my public health practice. And bringing other nurse experts into the spaces that I've created around communicating, whether it was radio, live radio, podcasting, blogging, and writing op-eds, has moved me into identifying a space that has a void in the media space, which is nurses used as sources and experts around people's health, around healthy individuals, families, and communities. And I have used those platforms not to talk about nursing as a science and a profession and a theory, but to elevate the voices of nurses who have expertise in that space, whether it's health, whether it's the economics of health, whether it's systems, whether it's health policy, and all the other things that fall within those categories and more. Innovation, the science, the research, and how people live well and live with chronic health issues or acute health issues. And I've always been interested in the media. Just briefly, I will tell you, I grew up in a working class home where my parents read several newspapers. And every day at 5 p.m., my three other siblings and my parents and I would sit down to dinner and we would talk politics, policy, national, foreign policy. And my parents were self-educated, not formally educated. My father didn't graduate high school. He took a GED test at 40 and passed. And my mom is the only person in her large family who was able to stay in high school. So they were smart people. And they understood that a policy that implemented taxes or foreign policy, goods, moving, how you would buy gas and what the price would be, would determine whether or not we were able to afford whatever it was that needed to be purchased, or a car drive vacation that summer. So the relevancy of politics and media is something that was I was raised up with. And I understood that to understand the media interpretation and the media's knowledge that I would gain from it under, helped me understand how to be a citizen and how to be in the world. So when I began to bring nurses' voices into the media and then did this study with my colleagues called the Woodhull Revisited Study, we looked at for 20 years from the first study that nurses still remained invisible in the media space. And that study looked only at print. And we know that that still is true. So my passion 
to help the communities, help the public better understand things around health and how health works and how policy works. I believe nurses have the incredible ability to do that and to do that well. So I want to bring their voices. I want to make them less invisible to be visible and to support that network of expert nurse sources. You know, that's awesome stuff. And you've given us so much to unpack there. I love that you grew up and this was part of your life in your formative years. That's so amazing in and of itself. So kudos. I mean, what a cool way to, uh, to be reared. That's really neat. Thank you. The other things that, you know, I think are awesome are that you're trying to include nurses in a space that oftentimes they don't show up because they weren't invited, right? It's, it's more of if media needs a quote, they go to physicians. And if they need a, a photograph, particularly something that's showing empathy and compassion, they go to nursing. You're absolutely right. And to make it relevant to this past year of all of us living through the COVID pandemic, we are going to be looking at how have nurses been used in the media during the pandemic as a new study. And what we know already from a very brief surface grab of data is that all of those images and most of those stories were the emotive ones. They were often photographed right after taking off their N95 mask. They were often interviewed, again, important information, not to dismiss it, of holding up the iPad to the patient in the ICU, really uh, for their final breaths, if you will. And not about their clinical work around caring for patients with acute COVID, the role of nursing in the proning of patients, which we know came out of nursing science, in addition to the fact that public health nurses on contact tracing, on testing, and school nurses working in communities were really missing for the most part from the media landscape. We want to look at that and get the data to prove that. And you're right, not only are we not invited, but we also have a role in being much more proactive and letting journalists know about who we are, what we do, how we do it, and why our newsworthy and news hook stories are ones they also want to promote to their editors and to their producers. And we are working on multiple ways. When I say we, um, it is my nurse colleague, Dr. Diana Mason, and others who are really interested in this work. We're working with nursing professional organizations, deans at schools of nursing, looking at the marketing and public affairs and communications departments, at medical centers and universities, who often are the ones who direct the journalists to the physicians and the medical schools and not to the schools of nursing. So we know that there are multiple threads that have created this void, as well as talking to journalists. Um, I have presented on panels at the Association of Healthcare Journalism's annual meetings, where we've talked about diversifying sources in health news media, in addition to nurses, we want to see our colleagues in respiratory therapy, social work, physical therapy, occupational therapy. They have stories to tell as well that would really benefit the public. And in addition to that, we know that democracy, the small d in media, means that we need to see more people across the gender identity space, 
people of color, people from ethnic backgrounds that we don't hear from. That is the democracy of media, and that is what needs to be looked at from the journalism perspective. And we have to help them by reaching out to them and letting them know we have an expertise that they're missing. We've heard from our studies and talking to journalists that some of their best stories are when they speak to a nurse. They've changed the frame of that story by talking about and connecting the dots, the community, housing, food insecurity, um, access to health care, access to aftercare, access to mental health care. We tend to bring in that space as well, the environmental influences, the social determinants of health. And we need to get better at that too. But in the meantime, all of us need to work on multiple threads in order to make this visible opportunity for nurses in the media space. You know, I love what you said there, because it really does take a team to not only provide health care, but also to promote health. And if you were an uninformed person looking at the media, you might think that the healthcare world from a discipline perspective really is predominantly physicians, and then there's some nurses, and then there's other people that we really don't know who they are and what they do. <laughs> so if you had a message for, um, for the media, how is it that the media can actually use not only nurses, but the other disciplines to get the stories that they're looking for to make sure that they hear all of the relevant perspectives? Great point. And I think we need to do that. Um, I have been invited by schools of journalism that have a health component or science communications component. This is something nurses across the country and even globally can do. Let yourself be known to the chair of the journalism department. Let, them, let it be known that you're an expert source for them to come and speak to their health science communication course, and let them know that in addition to you as a nurse or those who are listening from other professions, that you, in fact, will bring a very different frame and perhaps a very interesting and unique frame to serve the public good. And knowing how to do that, not only making that call to the communications department and or the chair of that department at the university or school of journalism, but also reach out, have a cup of coffee with a, your local health reporter. You know, we're human. Um, I refer to myself at times also in, as a journalist, and we like being pitched good stories. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I suggest when I do my media training work is at the end of an interview, when you are being interviewed by print or uh, broadcast journalists, uh, at the end of that interview, in addition to thanking them and giving them feedback about their questions or what they, what other experience this brought to you in terms of being able to provide your level of expertise is to say, are you interested in any other news stories that I may have or colleagues of mine might have? You know, share the space, share their name, keep in your back pocket or on your mobile phone, three other great sources who are ready to speak to the media. We can do this. It is a movement. I see it as the future of how we will be in breaking barriers down around bringing more uh, democracy to health reporting. Uh, journalists often will tell us we have no idea what those 13 letters are after a nurse. And some nurses 
maybe shouldn't be using 13 letters and a certification that you've worked really hard to earn. If you are using them, when you get on that call and the reporter asks you or you're in person in the future, you know, what does all this mean? Take a minute and briefly tell them what all those certifications mean. But certainly if you're going to be on television, those rolling names with your credentials underneath, they're not going to put all 13 of them. So choose which one you want. Part of this is also educating the public what it is that we do, what our areas of expertise are. Again, whether it's in the clinical space or as a nurse attorney, a nurse economist, a nurse systems expert, a nurse innovator, creating uh, things in the tech space that are improving the lives of people. All of that needs to be very easily defined, very quickly defined, and then to pitch those journalists with a news hook that will let them go to their editor or their producer with the story idea. And it's a skill set that is not very difficult to learn, but one that we're not taught in our education and one that we should be taught as a competency to be community focused, public health facing, and not just talking to each other about what nursing is, what we want to have happen. We need to be public facing with our expertise. Well, there's there's two things you said that just are kind of rattling around for me. One of them is you literally made me um, laugh out loud when you talked about the 13 letters after our names, because we all know in healthcare, we do this to ourselves. And to some degree, it's sort of a, um, you know, pride thing, right? It's a It's a badge that we all wear. And it's funny because when you see on television in particular or online, and there is an interview of someone that is a physician, it literally just says MD. It doesn't say all of the fellowships and the other things that they have. So it's something for us that we're going to have to get comfortable with should we be so fortunate as to be a spokesperson or a uh, someone who is called upon to actually share or provide some information. That's just the way it is. Exactly. And my feeling is, you know, I, I, I think about this in relationship to food sometimes, you know, whet their appetite. Don't let them be somewhat sated and then let them find you and find out more about you. And, you know, we cannot dismiss the fact that there's a power hierarchy in healthcare and there's a, there's sexism and racism in healthcare. And all of those things impact how and who gets to speak on behalf of whatever the topic is. That is not going to go away with us just wishing it away. And it means that our ability to use our power to make space for each other and introduce other people in our circles who have not gotten that invitation, whether it's on a panel that we've already been on, whether it's being asked to do something and not being available. It's why I say have the name of several other colleagues immediately with their agreement that you can pass their name and contact information so that we're not letting that journalist or that producer walk away saying, well, they weren't available and they weren't very helpful. And I'll be honest with you, your name and uh, you know, of course, we all are busy and there are times we can't do things, but for sure, you have no idea how grateful a reporter will be because they tell us it's not easy to find nurses. Now, some of that is they have to up their game. But if you haven't Googled yourself lately to see how easy it is for you to be found, I would recommend you do that whatever field you're in, because that's going to be how quickly a journalist can find you. Uh, if you're not on Twitter and your DMs aren't open... A reporter may not be able to find you. They'd use a lot of Twitter to find their sources. So I would recommend that those are some of the ways. Um, and in addition, 
the, the multiple credentials that you have are who you are and you bring all of that with you. When you get in front of a mic or you get in front of a journalist who's recording and taking notes, that will be expressed in the intelligence, in the skills, in the sources, in the citations that you will give them to further deepen their understanding of what it is that you do and who you are. You know, you said something that is really important, and that is as we identify nurses that can provide some information or be informative, we want to use those contacts to actually provide what journalists are looking for. One of the things that I find with nurses, though, is that if you work for an organization, you can't speak, you can't share without their permission. That's something that we're going to have to figure out. This is a huge problem, and we've seen it through COVID really escalate. And it, it is even something that um, my colleague and I are talking to lawyers about and trying to understand the nuance of media policies uh, at your institution, at your wherever your place of employment is, you need to be sure that you get a copy of it and read it. The interpretation of your right to speak about labor issues is somewhat protected. Your opportunity to speak to a journalist about things that you know, and even if you decide to do it as a private citizen, I'm on pause saying that only because there have been some cases around COVID and PPE availability and understaffing that have resulted in termination. And now I'm talking about people who are working in acute care settings and academic medical centers. I don't want to speak as an expert to this issue at the moment, Bonnie, because I'm in the midst of investigating it and speaking with lawyers to help me better understand how do I advise people on this issue. Gag orders are a reality. And even if you're speaking independently and not mentioning your employer, there have been a couple of cases because of the internet and the web that you can be circled back to your employer and people have been called out on things. So we're in the midst of a hazy situation around being able to speak. Now, I would recommend, certainly around issues that may not be as controversial as an employer situation and staffing situation or PPE, although I must say that without nurses and other healthcare providers speaking out about that, we may have seen even more of a tragic number of deaths of healthcare workers because of the lack of protection and safe work environments. Having said that, if you're interested in speaking to the media about your area of expertise, go to your communications department, make a meeting, Tell them that you have this expertise, you're feeling media competent or get some media training and feel that competence. Often institutions and academic um, universities have someone who can give you some help with media training. And then let them know if you've, if you've published a research paper or you have an op-ed that you want them to pitch to a national or local paper. Be active, be your best spokesperson, be outrageous. Be brave, be tough, be noisy, be loud, be daring, be gutsy, be all of those things, because we can only get things done when we are, and be resilient when you do it, be authentic and brave, and see what happens. Uh, we can't sit back. Uh, we can no longer wait to be called on. That's not happening. We know that.
Well, and you know, I, I love that approach. And I think people are going to find their own way to navigate through this in their own comfort level. And, and to some degree, we're going to have to let some of these pieces work themselves out here. Um, mm-hmm. But there is clearly an opportunity to hear more nursing voices. Let's shift gears just a little bit. This year, the pandemic, of course, has taken a huge toll on us. The mental health issues are going to be profound for at least a generation. But let's talk about something different. Let's talk a little bit about the the racism, the disparity, the inequity. How as nurses, how do we insert our voices into the, the ability for us to create a narrative around more health equity? How do we focus on that direction? What can we do and how can we help that along? We have to create it. And I had the privilege of meeting a futurist, um, Dr. Leyland Kaiser, who has died a couple of years ago. And I had never met a futurist before, but I learned a lot in that encounter about 10 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago now. And this is his quote, the future is simply infinite possibility waiting to happen. And what it waits on is our human imagination to crystallize its possibility, end quote, by Dr. Leyland Kaiser. And he, we had this incredible conversation back then, and it, and he, it was also around social determinants of health. As you know, Bonnie, we've been talking about this and identifying them, but the action to change them has been immobilized by policies, by racism, of racist policies, by... Um, not teaching the action, but teaching what they are without saying how they got to be this way, identifying redlining housing, identifying supermarkets and food sources that don't go into neighborhoods where we see these social um, issues, these environmental impact issues where bus terminals are parked and built in poor neighborhoods. We know all of this. We haven't unbundled it and addressed it and changed it. And nursing can do that. One of my dreams has been that we take down these artificial walls between where we get health care and where people live, work, and play, because it really is one and the same. So when nurses know where people live, work, and play and go to school, we then begin to see where we might be able to have a larger impact on addressing the inequities. When we are educated to look at those issues, they become part of our practice and not a chapter in a textbook or a course on diverse families and cultures. They become embedded throughout how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves as activists, as political activists to vote for the people who will unbundle these issues and change it. Talk to the people in those communities. Speak up even if your voice shakes. You know, I'm learning every single day from people in communities that I don't engage with, and I'm listening a lot more. I understand my own biases. I'm 67. I was raised to um, during times where a lot of these things were created. I have memories of traveling to the South where bathrooms were still segregated. Fortunately, my parents were... Uh, conscious enough where they said, get back in the car and we'll go pee in the woods. I hope you don't mind me sharing that. Um, <laughs> the um, and, and so I had some upbringing where my parents as immigrant um, from immigrant families had a, an understanding of other, but still we were white. 
And so there are many biases and many things that I'm learning about myself and self-reflection. I have to heal myself. I have to heal my relationships and then heal the communities that have suffered tremendously from this. I think these artificial walls have allowed us to see or not see what goes on that have created racism and inequities that we must address. The Future of Nursing Report is going to be focusing solely on these issues, and it's being released in May. Let's see what actions and innovation, how we can really listen to those who are in communities who have the answers. We just need to create the space, listen, let them tell us what they need and how to change things, because they're already doing that in so many communities. One of the neatest things that I've read on LinkedIn in a very long time, and that's my space where I hang out, but I read something and it was from a male, a white male who was, um, had received kind of his, you know, multiple third, fourth, fifth offer to be on a board. And he was saying he declined and asked that they put a person of color on the board instead of him. And I thought that was pretty amazing. And his point was brilliant. And that's, we all love to be asked to be on boards. We all love to share our opinion. But the next time we're asked, say no. And instead ask that they put a person of color on that board instead. And I think that is one way as nurses, you know, we certainly do not get asked to be on as many boards as many of our physician colleagues do. However, I think we really need to be thoughtful about who we're putting on that board and how we're sharing our perspective because we do need to get more voices out there. And there is tremendous opportunity to be much more inclusive in terms of how we do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And the um, I've learned some of this as well from others who have taught me that when you're invited to even be, when you're invited to speak on a panel, ask who the other panelists are. And if it's all um, white people, then say, I'm going to decline. And I have a colleague who I think represents a voice that you're missing from your panel, similar to this gentleman who recommended someone else for the board. You know, there's nothing, that's what leadership is. You know, when we talk about nursing leadership, we really are talking about how can we be impactful? How do we become, how do we create sustainable change? And helping people, um, helping good people (laughs) realize that their leadership really might mean that you are going to be influential by making space. It's It's not just doing interventions, right? Most of the interventions that we come up with, people already are figuring them out for themselves. You know, they don't always need us to be doing things on communities. We need to be with community and raising up their voices or as a quote who I'm sorry, I'm not going to uh, remember the correct attribution, but someone powerfully has said, just pass the mic. Don't speak for people. You don't, you make change by making the capacity to change. So nurses in this role, we are We have the ability, I believe, in partnership with individuals, families, and communities to create capacity for change. We don't have to come up with all the solutions. I believe people really know many of the solutions. And again, the structural problems that have been created to keep inequity in place have to be called out, and we can do that. 
And I love that, Barbara. And this is the perfect place for us to put a pin in it for today. And I just want to thank you again for being with us today on Healthcare Soothsayers podcast, Barbara. Thanks again for your time. Thank you for the conversation. And please be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Barbara's contact info and to learn more about her work. And thanks again for being with us today. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.